Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. And welcome to the Doing Time Show. I'm Peter. This this week we're just going to have some um, commentaries by Mamia Abdul-Jamal and some other political prisoners from um, Prison Radio and so and some music. So um, stay tuned. Huey, love for the people. Dr. Huey P. Newton, the founder of the Black Panther Party in Oakland, California, began the organization along with Bobby Seale as a body focused on the people, on their defense, and also in their service. In most media portrayals of the time, black radicals were always described as black militants, and if they were pictured, one saw a young man or woman with a seemingly permanent scowl on their face. Huey broke through this media mold by beginning early with the party's own media. A newsletter made on a mimeograph machine with a picture of a young black man killed by cops in Richmond, California. I have to ask, does anybody in this audience know what a mimeograph machine even is? If you do, I bet you're over 50. What was the point, though? That the people were important, not the party. For party members were taught from the first days of membership that party members were servants of the people. It is in that spirit that we saw party leaders start programs like the Free Breakfast for Children program, the Free Clothing program, Free Shoes programs, and Free Health Clinic programs and the like. Those programs, based in local churches or party offices, serve to develop close relationships between the people and the party in a way that has rarely been imitated by radical or revolutionary collectives. On November 18, 1970, Huey gave a speech at Boston College. There, he spoke about many of these programs that the party began, telling the audience, in order to exist, we must survive. Therefore, we need a survival kit, the 10-point program. It is necessary for our children to grow up healthy with functional and creative minds. They cannot do this if they do not get the correct nutrition. That is why we have a breakfast program for children. We also have community health programs. We have a busing program. We call it the bus for relatives and parents of prisoners. We realize that the fascist regime that operates the prisons throughout America 
would like to do their treachery in the dark. But if we get the relatives, parents, and friends to the prisons, they can expose the treachery of the fascists. Dr. Huey P. Newton ended his speech by telling the audience that the people make the revolution. What we see here is that the central governing ethos of the party was a survival and well-being of the people. What people? The most oppressed segment of American society. Black people, poor people. It is from this community that the party drew its members. It is to this community that the party directed its 10-point program. It is for this community that the survival programs were implemented. Whether we use the term the community or the people, we're talking about the same entity. The Black Panther Party went through a number of ideological iterations, from nationalists to internationalists, from Malcolmites to Marxists, from Marxists to intercommunalists. But the party performed another vital service, one rarely given credit for, and that's in the realm of theory. Dr. Huey P. Newton dared to theorize and analyze the world around him and to call that theory intercommunalism. What did he mean by intercommunalism? Dr. Newton argued that the party and all phenomena goes through a period and process of transformation based upon the notion of dialectical materialism, and he illustrated this by the initial phase of the party being nationalist to internationalist and beyond. He argued further that the power of the U.S. empire was such that it neutralized and actually negated other nations. Dr. Newton wrote, We found that because everything is in a constant state of transformation, because of the development of the mass media, because of the firepower of the imperialists, and because of the fact that the United States is no longer a nation but an empire, nations could not exist, for they did not have the criteria for nationhood. Their self-determination, economic determination, and cultural determination has been transformed by the imperialists and the ruling circle. They were no longer nations. We found that in order to be internationalist, we had to also be nationalist, or at least acknowledge nationhood. Internationalism, if I understand the word, means the interrelationship among a group of nations. But since no nation exists, and since the United States is in fact an empire, it's impossible for us to be internationalists. These transformations and phenomena require us to call ourselves intercommunalists because nations have been transformed into communities of the world. That's the words and ideas of Dr. Huey P. Newton. The value of any theory is not a question about the theorist, but how clearly it tracks and predicts reality. In 1972, Huey wrote The Technology Question, which all but predicted the fall of the Soviet Union. Dr. Newton critiqued the late Soviet policy of peaceful coexistence, which Newton blamed on an incorrect analysis of the very nature of the imperialists. Huey characterized this idea as a blow 
to the many countries opposing the empire, such as Vietnam. Dr. Newton reasoned that this policy was, in fact, an admission of Soviet weakness, which damaged resistance movements in the so-called Third World. His conclusion is a biting one. He wrote, With the high quality of Soviet development at a time when the United States was less advanced than it is today, the Russians could have built up the necessary force to oppose imperialism. Now, all they can do is whimper like whipped dogs and talk about peaceful coexistence so that they will not be destroyed. This presents the world with the hard fact that the United States is the only state power in the world. Russia has become, like all other nations, no more than a satellite of the United States. American rulers do not care about how much Russians say that they are the Soviets, as long as Ford can build its motor company in their territory. In late 1991, less than 20 years after Huey wrote these words, the Soviet Union essentially abolished itself and Russia began the long trek to crony capitalism. Dr. Huey P. Newton, known to history as one of the principal founders of the Black Panther Party, but also one hell of a political theorist. Thank you for your time. On the move from Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. They're taking everything. Taking everything, taking everything we've got, all our futures. They're taking our friends and family. They're taking our beliefs every single day. They're taking our love. They're taking our life. They're taking our happiness. Taking our feelings, they're taking everything we got. Taking everything we got. And every little trick they use to control us all. And every little thing that means something to them. And every little trick they use to control us all. So dry, we've soaked us so dry. <laughs> Drink every little drop, there's nothing left. Taking our ideas, our creativity. And now we're a shadow of who we used to be. They've taken our passion, they've drained us dry. A love of servitude. Until the day we die Till the day we die Fuck em. And every little trick they use to control us all I say fuck em. And every little thing that means something to them I say fuck em. And every little trick they use to control us all I say fuck em. 
shoulder so And every little thing that means something to them And every little trick they use to control us all They're taking everything Taking everything Taking everything we've got All our futures They're taking our friends And family They're taking our beliefs Every single day They're taking our love They're taking our life They're taking our happiness Taking our feelings, they're taking everything we got. Taking everything we got. Fuck em. And every little trick they use to control us all. I say fuck em. And every little thing that means something to them. I say fuck em. And every little trick they use to control us all. I say fuck em. And every little thing that means. And that was Rich Galag, and the song was called um, Suck This All Dry. And now we're going to um, go to a an announcement and then some more commentaries by Mamiya Abdul-Jamal. FreeCR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. And this is a um, commentary by um, Charles Diggs, um, Love and Economics um, from Prison Radio um, Org. Charles Kareem Diggs. I'm in Gratisford, Pennsylvania, Gratisford State Correctional Institution. Uh, my topic for this evening is love in economics. Wealth should help more than the wealthy. Riches should enrich the community. Success should affect everyone. In what way does wealth and love have to do with crime, arrest, prison, convictions, and sentences. Number one, first of all, America is grounded in a belief that we are better off having a free market, open markets. In other words, let the best business plan win the customers. If you fail to be it, this really sounds fair. With more research, you will find most large corporations and businesses are receiving millions and billions of taxpayers' dollars to keep them afloat. Subsidies are called corporate welfare. Secondly, most citizens are unable to meet the requirement, nor do you have the political clout to receive all the special privileges that comes from being wealthy. Thirdly, if we desire to change the circumstances of 50 million or more working poor people, 
we have to rethink and restructure how the economic system can meet the basic needs of human beings. As long as the love for war is stronger than the need to ensure that decent housing, food, health care, and education for all, prison systems will continue to expand. The love for more and more as a culture breeds more competition and less harmony in the society. I suggest a new history book be written to educate every child and adult about the truth of how America began. It will go a long way to discuss how Indians, Irish, Polish were checked off as non-white race. The blacks, it was different. The African skin color never changed. Sadly, we have a continuation of outdated rules and regulations relating to race. Police, judges, prisons maintain the illegal system of oppression. Economic liberation has yet to become part of the solution. It is very difficult for most to rise out of being born with no capital or access to capital. Banks don't lend money to people who have no collateral. To date, all of the economic love of taxpayers' money is, is flowing to the corporations. These corporations use your tax dollars to build football stadiums and charge you $15 for a hot dog and use your tax money to build prisons to put you in and pay judges to sit down and sentence you and your children to all types of prison terms and death sentences. Our elected officials vote to devote to give taxes for the use for the people, not for corporations. Our voice is never part of the contract tallying up your money. What we need is leaders who love human beings, who love the working poor, and those who are unfortunately without wealth. Until the same love practiced in economics, economic unhappiness will prevail. We should not expect much change in arrests, harsh sentences, judges sitting down giving you unbelievable sentences for crimes based on economic deprivation and inadequate miseducation. We must change the rules and regulations because the selfish monster called greed continues to expand its hunger. Thank you for listening to my little uh, essay. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. Hi, this is Terry Harper calling from SCI Muncie in Pennsylvania. This piece is about a conversation that I had with one of my sisters about how I am looked upon as a woman who has committed a crime. And this is what came to my mind. Eve tempted Adam with the apple, so how dare you say a woman should be docile and soft, and how dare you look at me differently because I'm a woman who committed a crime. Please be clear. I believe and trust Almighty God implicitly. I acknowledge that everything does happen for a reason, and I've identified why I became a statistic. I was naively fearless. I just wanted to take care of me and my baby sis and help my mothers. I was so wrapped up in what I wanted and thought I needed, I did not consider all the paths that intersected and or intertwined with my life. I was not abused or hurt coming up. I knew love, friendship, family, and hardship. I was awake. The problem was my lack of understanding of faith and gratitude, stillness and contemplation. I allowed myself to be caught up and lost in the hype. I allowed myself to squeeze in where I did not fit. I allowed corruption. How about that for the cycle of life? 
I feel my strength. I embrace my ability to have others listen and correct their behaviors. I am humbled to be called one of service. Those things I took for granted. In so doing, I cannot count who all I failed or hurt. I can, however, continue to listen, learn, evolve, and be of service. I will undoubtedly take it to the next level when and if given a chance. Will you be a part of that success of a societal change that shifts us out of more problems and reaffirms our status as the land of the free and the home of the brave? I, too, ate the proverbial apple, shamed myself, covered it with the leaves of patience, earned trust, compassion, and service, and now live anew. And I'm far less than the two who started it all. So aren't I redeemable also? Thank you. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. On the move, this is Delvet Africa from Dallas Prison speaking about the plight of political prisoners here in America, especially in light of, I heard, uh, a conference on political prisoners is about to be convened at Temple University. And I just wanted to start off by saying a quote from Moves founder, John Africa, quote, this system is not something to be discussed as a form of stimulation. It is not to be treated as a fencing exercise by intellectuals who use words as dueling pistols and people as target practice. Life is not a game. Life is a need. When games are allowed to be played with people's lives, people's lives are reduced to a game. And history will show that the game players are reduced to ashes when the people truly realize they are being played with, end quote. That speaks to the fact that I am very glad that people are convening a conference on political prisoners, but I hope that it is not just, as John Africa said, an exercise in intellectualism. Today in America, there are hundreds of political prisoners being held far longer than the criminal apartheid government of South Africa held Nelson Mandela. And just because it's being held here in America, that don't make it any less criminal, any less wrong, any less vicious than the demonized uh, apartheid government of South Africa back in the day. There have just been uh, news reports of the brother Herman Bell, who was beaten September 5th viciously up in prison, being escorted by a guard who claims that out of the clear blue sky, Herman Bell turned around and slapped him. It ended up with Herman Bell getting cracked ribs, uh, 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 punched in the eye, mace repeatedly kicked by other guards who joined him. Now, here's a man that hadn't had a misconduct write-up in over 20 years, and he was due to have a visit with his family, a three-day visit. Who in the world would believe that he would turn around and out of the clear blue sky slap a guard? But these is the lies that this system put out on political prisoners. This is the vicious treatment that we, and I say we because the Move 9 are also political prisoners, but this is the kind of treatment that political prisoners get here in America. We get treated more harsher than the average so-called prisoner, the social criminal. We get beaten like Herman suffered. We get long hold time like uh, Russell Maroon Schultz here in Pennsylvania, 
who spent decades in the prison and who just recently, because of his continued fight, won a court case to get out of the, and was released to general population. But this is the kind of treatment that political prisoners in America get, and it is time that people realize it's a fact that despite the lie that America has told for years that they don't have political prisoners, they have hundreds of political prisoners that are suffering under this. Lack of medical care. Everybody knows about Mumia Abu-Jamal, almost killed by the lack of medical care. How about Leonard Peltier? How about Phil and Merle Africa? a beautiful sister and brother who have died under these, under these conditions because of medical care. You got John Lawman, you got Richard Manning, you got Ed Poindexter, all who are right now are suffering from medical, lack of medical care. And this is the kind of things that this system does for people who have fought for liberation, for freedom, for all peoples. I'm talking about men and women I don't care what ideology they done fought under, be, be they echo warriors, be they black liberationists, be they uh, uh, um, LBGT fighters, it doesn't matter. If you are labeled as a political prisoner in this country, as we have been, you will get the harshest treatment of any other prisoner in America. When it comes to parole denial, you have people like Sundiata Akoli, who has taught uh, computer classes, they've been remained misconduct free, had done everything that uh, you're supposed to do to be given parole, and yet he's been given 15, 20 year hits by the parole board just because he is Sundiata Coley. Uh, you have the Move Nine. All of us were given sentences of 30 to 100. We now have 39 years in. We've been eligible for parole since. For these last nine years, and every time we come up for parole, they come up with a new excuse not to give us parole. They come up recently with the brand new excuse after nine years of we are a risk to the community. It's the police that are a risk to the community, and in fact, people in the community of Philadelphia have started a petition stating that it is the police that burnt down uh, four square blocks and murdered 11 MOVE members. It is not MOVE they fear, it is the police that they fear. Then you have people like Matula Shakur, Dr. Matula Shakur, who has blazed a trail of freedom fighting and has all the support of the people in his community behind him, yet the federal government says he's not suitable for parole. How, how, what do we have to do to be suitable for parole? This foul system will murder and lock up anyone, be it female or male, no matter no matter their ideological flag they're fighting under. And this is because it, it doesn't matter either what ethnicity you are. And this is because these people, this system is afraid of political prisoners getting out and lighting the fire and keeping that fire going in people's minds. They're not afraid of our bodies because many of them have aged for 35, 40 years within these of this beast, and they know that, like, the minds that kept us determined to not give in to this system, to not become a system robot, will light a fire and keep that fire going on those on the street who ain't playing games but are serious about social change. And so this is what I want to keep going in people's minds. If you understand that there is a whole cadre of political 
prisoners who need to be in your midst, need to be encouraged and supported, then it is important for you to get on that Internet, find out others whose names I haven't mentioned, and give them all the support you can. Do not use this conference, upcoming conference, as a game-playing intellectual exercise, but make it, be real about it. Get, get, on, get on the move. We are often saying move that one doesn't have to be in move to be on the move. And if you ain't on the move in whatever you're doing, then you're stagnating. And we all know stagnation leads to sickness. You can't drink no, drink no stagnant water. You can't eat no spoiled food that's been sitting around. You got to keep food, fresh food, and stay on the move with it. And so this is what I want to say. And I want to thank uh, Noel Hammerhand and all, everybody else at Prison Radio for giving me this opportunity. Everybody out there, stay on the move. Long live freedom. Long live revolution. Long live John Africa forever. Them pulled at number three. And Father O'Brien punched a chase the place. Not a band that took for a priest. In struggle to hear the battle is fought between the wars. Broken bottles lock doors. In struggle town. She hangs her clothes upon the line. It's wages hang on the picket line She knows it's right for him to fight the bosses As she sets the time she counts the cost It's struggle to hear the battles Fought between the wars Broken bottles locked doors In struggle town They call him such cause he's a veteran Collecting coins till he's off again He's up and down to the anchor on the crown To get his medicine and struggle down Here the battle is fought between the walls Breaking bottles like doors And struggle down The thugs outside the bed and shop We'll dance with the girls who work in greasy slops Now the hole that puts some soup is putting on a dance With an out-of-town band And that was muted with Struggle Town. We'll just go to an announcement and more um, 
commentaries from Prison Radio. Indigenous people in Australia and the Pacific have borne the brunt of nuclear testing. And this was not done unconsciously. We found documents in the British archives saying that, yes, there is a certain hazards, but only to primitive peoples, those that don't wear clothes and don't wash, unlike us British. So the sort of racism inherent in this whole operation was known and understood from the beginning that these were the casualties of a larger imperial policy and that they were able to bear the brunt because there were very small populations and didn't have much political voice. And as we fast forward to today, we see that same thing. 3CR, keeping you informed about Australia's nuclear past and present. At such a time, it's important to have a voice like 3CR, steady, constant, sane and committed to a nuclear-free Australia. Hello everyone, my name is uh, Charles Scream Diggs. I'm at Gratish Ford uh, Prison. My number is AK7945, box 244, Gratish Ford PA19426. I wanted to uh, share my uh, feelings about the uh, senior citizens in the prisons, specifically Pennsylvania. And uh, the topic is uh, prisons throughout America have become senior citizen warehouses. In Pennsylvania, the prison population is 10% senior citizen. Those over 50 years of age are considered uh, elderly in these prisons. Many of the prisons uh, throughout the state become overcrowded with the elderly that they have separate blocks, separate housing units for them. As everyone knows, prisons was not built for, for older, older men and women. It was, it was a young man's institution. Because most crimes, it's accepted that it's done when you're young. And what happens is that they keep you in prison for a substantial number of years. It becomes a burden on the state because the prisons aren't set up to house older men and women. And why is this such a public interest, or why should it be? And my argument is that at some point we should consider reviewing parole for those who are serving life sentences in Pennsylvania because it's costing the state billions of dollars, and also they don't have really the, they're not set up to treat the medical problems that, that takes place with an elderly prisoner. The lawmakers have made these mandatory sentences, which turned into a death by incarceration. Because even with a release system in the, in the state for those who are elderly or terminally ill, they don't use it. Very rarely do they use it. Maybe one or two guys may get out every couple of years. But outside of that, most of the men and women, when they get old or, and they get sick, they pass away here. And most of the men who die in prison, the families don't even take them because they've lost you know, touch with their families. They've been here so long. And it becomes a burden. You know, to bury someone, it costs ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. So keeping the elderly in prison is is, is just a disadvantage for the entire system. Uh, in fact, in Pennsylvania, they have a prison called Laurel Heights, and it houses nothing but the elderly and the sick, and that costs three hundred million to build that. So you can see this elderly prisoners is, is expanding and costing the state a lot of money. The fact is that the public is not seeing what's going on in the prisons. They're just not aware, you know, we're, we're busy built in these rural areas. And so what you have, we're just creating employment in these different rural areas, but you're draining the public taxpayers' money because that money could be used for schools, you know, hospitals, roads, and other uh, things that the citizens need in society. You may want to ask the question, well, why are they keeping people in prison into old age? All I can say is that the laws began to change in the early uh, 80s. 
they began to this drug war, and this drug war meant that put more and more people in prison at any cost. But what happened, it incorporated all your other types of crimes. And what they did, they just kept packing the prisons with more and more drug cases. And then most of your murder cases, they're drug-related. And so most men came in jail before they were 25 years of age, majority. So they were young, too, but they're not considering that when they, when your guy goes up for compensation, they don't consider that. They just deny, deny, deny. So now you have a, this massive, large prison population, which is dying off one by one. My position would be that the society should realize men and women in jail, some are innocent, some are guilty. The fact is that there's no mechanism to really measure the maturity of that person. To say that someone after 30, 40 years, you resurrect the crime and you say they're the same person, it's not even an argument. No one's the same. Everybody changes. No matter where you are, who you are, everybody changes. So what has happened is the, 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 the prison industry has taken the human factor out of being a human being. Because once you say no, a person never changes, you're saying basically they've lost all their humanity. And I would argue that that wasn't the purpose of the penal system. You know, the penal system was repentance, you know, punishment, but there was a repentance. There was a form of redemption. That these life sentences throughout Pennsylvania and the United States should be uh, revisited by the, uh, the legislator or even the governor. But even with the governor, uh, they passed several laws that they amended constitutions in several states where the governor has no say-so in the parole or commutation of the prisoners. It has to go through a commutation board, then the governor, and you got to get all five votes. How are you going to get all five votes unanimously? It's not going to happen. So the few that do make it to the governor's desk, you know, it's not even, it's not even significant uh, uh, reason to say they have a system. So even with the alleged system in place, it doesn't work, you know. You have the attorney general on the board, a crime victim, lieutenant governor, and two other people, you know, five people. And they're all, you know, on the side of the uh, extensive prosecution uh, mentality. You know, once they're in there, we're keeping them here. We're not taking any chances. And so and this is why you have, what I think, it's about 5,500 lifers in Pennsylvania who have no hope of, of uh, parole eligibility. Like I say, uh, every governor, they may let out two or three people, but that's not a... Um, uh, a, a, a acceptable uh, a number of people that's uh, being released back into society. And on top of that, those who have gotten out through the last 20 or 30 years, they're all very successful in society. None of them have returned uh, to prison for any, any, uh, anything major at all. So we have a good track record throughout the country. Now, the juveniles, they're letting, they pass the law, they have to give them parole. They have to get reviewed for parole at some chance. So 500 of them are in prison here in Pennsylvania, and they're all being released now one by one. They've gotten up to about 50 so far, and they made the law retroactive. And it was based on their, uh, their mental, their brain wasn't fully developed. And in that science, the neuroscientists uh, concluded that the brain doesn't become fully developed in the late 20s, 25, some say up to 30. But the United States Supreme Court, they, they cut it off at 18. So we're now litigating, uh, trying to get the, the, uh, the prison system to recognize uh, the men who were convicted of their crimes. Uh, they were under 25. They should uh, be given a chance for parole eligibility. And uh, so that's about all that I have to offer for this evening. I just wanted the uh, public to know that the prisons are turning gray throughout America, and it's time that they begin to return the missing men and missing women that's been in these prisons 20, 30, 40. We've got one guy been here 64 years, you know, and it's just uh, unbelievable. 
and uh, the public, there's no safety problem here for the public because most of the men here are older, are older men, they're elderly, they have medical problems, and um, we think that the society would benefit from that because they have a lot to offer, a, very, a whole lot to offer. In fact, it's the elderly men that kept the prisons pretty well safe for people who come in here, young guys, we made it safe for them where they don't have to worry about being molested or the, the commissary taken or taken advantage of. So uh, we, we should get an Academy Award for that because prisons aren't rehabilitating, rehabilitating anyone. The prisons are helping one another and we try to influence the, uh, the younger men. And uh, one more note that a lot of this massive imprisonment is being driven by the prosecutors because they are the ones who are uh, inspiring the state legislators to pass more laws and to give uh, stiffer sentences for various crimes. And that half of your legislators are ex-prosecutors. Many of your governors are ex-prosecutors. So they've actually uh, undermined the Constitution because the Constitution reflects they're trying to make this country separation of power. So one power, part of the government doesn't get all the power. But if you infiltrate each area of the government, you've, under, you've undermined what Madison and Jefferson was trying to uh, explain. Because if, you know, the ex-DA's, uh, he's running the legislator, all his buddies are, ex, are now uh, legislators, the governors are ex-prosecutors, um, the mayors, like Philadelphia had four or five mayors, they were all ex-prosecutors. We now got a guy running, and he's, uh, he never was a, uh, a district attorney, and he's talking about change, and it has to start in the DA's office, and I agree with that. I've been saying that for the last four decades. But um, so the public can realize, you know, you have a bunch of prosecutors running the entire system. Even on the compensation board in Pennsylvania, you have a crime victim on there. And all you need is one vote to say you can't be commuted. And usually the crime victim votes against anybody with any type of violent, uh, violent crime. So, so one person has veto power, which prevents you from even getting to the governor's desk. So this is the type of system we've developed here in, in the United States. And the public don't know that because everything is done behind the wall in secret amongst that class of prosecutors who then become legislators, run for governors, attorney generals. And so every, every place a prisoner goes to get relief, he's dealing with ex-prosecutors. Same thing with the appellate court. Pennsylvania Supreme Court at one time had five district attorneys, five. So how, were you, how was a defense attorney going to get you any fair review of your appellate rights? Same thing with the Superior Court. Half of them are ex-prosecutors. And, um, you know, so this is the type of uh, system we have. It's lopsided. It's arbitrary and it's punitive, and I think the more the public understands that, you know, they'll see that this is not fair. It's unreasonable, and that's all basically a man is entitled to, a woman entitled to in prison. They just want a fair review, reasonable people to, you know, to discuss, dispute their constitutional violations, but we're not getting that. And so this is my message for uh, everyone to uh, get involved in some kind of way in changing the, uh, the entire uh, criminal justice judicial prison system. Thank you very much. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio.
Yeah. I'm Fitzroy with the stars, B. I'm Wanganine in 93. Uh-huh. I'm Mundine, I'm Catherine. Man, that far inside of me. I'm Madam Goods, and Madam should be applauded when he stands up. You can look to us from that time stop. I'm Patty Mills with the last shot. I'm good. I'm March. I'm everything that you watch. I'm everything that you copy. I'm the dead heart. Hop I'm good. I'm March. 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 I'm good. Nichols. I'm Jimmy Little with a royal telephone. I'm the world champion, 68. Boy, I'm Lionel Rose. I'm William Cooper. I take a stand when no one even knows. I'm the walker, I'm the sounder. The children coming home, boy, I'm Goom. I'm March. I'm everything that you ask. I'm everything that you count. I'm the dead heart. Hot. I'm Goom. I'm March. I'm Goom. I'm March. I'm Goom. I'm March, I'm good, I'm March, I'm good, I'm March, I'm good, I'm March, I'm good. Boy, I'm Patty Mills. Let me take it home, I'm Rummel. On the Sand Hills, I'm coming. I'm Les Briggs, I'm Paul Briggs, I'm Uncle Ringo with all them kids, I'm Uncle Buck. Everybody loves me, ain't number one, ain't none about me. I'm the carving out of every sky, we on those flats, that bit about you now, Mr. Me and you, we feel the same And it might sound strange, but I'm just saying We both unsettled when the boats came I'm good, I'm much I'm everything that you was I'm everything that you come I'm the dead heart, heart And that was The Children Came Back by Briggs. Um, well, we'll see you next week. Um, probably go out with a song, another song, and the um, black fella, white fella. Um, coming up next is um, Beyond Zero. The show after this will be interesting. We'll be doing a pre-record. Um, we're recording at a conference, um, so that'll come up next week. See you all next week. This is a song and story about the Murray River. It's about the past, the present and the future. And my people who have survived for thousands of years alongside her. As a community, we've got to help her flow for another thousand years. This is an original song written by Shane Lovett and myself, Sonny Wise. I'll let the song take you there.
and give you our message. A memory of his childhood on the river banks. Life back there was so good, and the water he drank. He'd swim in the waters and swim to the other side. Bakajee's sons and daughters, Bakajee River tribe. Many tribes, lots of families, river tribes. We let you drink it, swim in our waters, and you drained it away. The river was mighty, the water was strong, but she's dying today. You know you were wrong, you know you were guilty, but you don't say. You gotta stop blocking them rivers. Let them flow today. Oh yeah, let them flow today. And now that he's a grown man, standing on the river's edge. Looking down at the muddy waters, wondering what was in your head. Why'd you break her spirit? Why'd you take her flow away? Her beautiful shine and sparkle is dying today. Can we help? What can we do? How can we help? We let you drink it, swim in our waters, and you drained it away. The river was mighty, the water was strong, but she's dying today. You know you were wrong, you know you are guilty, but you don't say. You gotta stop blocking them rivers, let them flow today. Oh yeah, let them flow today. We let you drink it, swim in our waters, and you drained it away. The river was mighty, the water was strong, but she's dying today. You know you were wrong. You know you are guilty, but you don't say. You gotta stop blocking them rivers. Let them flow today. Oh yeah. Let them flow today. Let them flow today. Let them flow today. Thank you.
3CR is very proud to announce the launch of the Beyond the Bars 2017 CD. Okay, Puffer, you're up to go and see the bail justice. I don't want to go and see him. I say, no, I won't worry about it, you know. Sure enough, here comes the truck. I'm going to Dame Phyllis. Come along to Mesa at 184 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy, on Thursday the 2nd of November from 6 to 8pm. The launch will feature a live panel discussion on Aboriginal incarceration, Q&A and deadly music. Oh, like, I don't regret being in jail, not one bit. Solitude and centeredness is difficult to find in the centre of chaos. So this has become, unfortunately enough, a place to be by myself and away from all that other stuff. And, and there's, less, there's less chaos in here than there is out there. Beyond the Bars 2017 CD launch. Thursday, 2nd of November, upstairs at Mesa, 6 till 8pm. And that was um, Disagree by A Gender. Um, so see you later again. Um, we're out of here. Bye.
Are you the-